sometimes the most important question that we can ask about life or faith is the most obvious question. And because it's the most obvious questions, it is also sometimes the most easily overlooked. Okay, so here we go. Why in the world does Jesus spend so much time talking about the kingdom of God? Why? Parables, teachings, stories. And then the interesting thing is that there's a follow-up to that. If he spends so much time talking about the kingdom of God, and that it is so important that he spends so much time, why does he make it so hard to understand? You ever thought about that? Ever had that question? My goodness, why in the world speak in parables? Why in the world spend so much time? Well, it it is a critically important, it is the through line, it is the thread, it is the why of the whole gospel story. If we want to understand why Jesus, why this story, why is it told in so many different ways, but then also why does it endure? It's because the kingdom of God is the story. The reign of God is the story in Scripture. It is the axis on which the whole story turns. The kingdom of God, the reign of God, the beloved community, it's it's understood in a lot of different ways, and they're all synonymous with one another. But if you want to understand what the component parts of this thing that Jesus calls the kingdom of God... Well, you don't have to go any much farther than understanding what he teaches, but then how the teaching applies to what he does. The kingdom of God is about love. The kingdom of God is about mercy. The kingdom of God is about compassion. The kingdom of God is about forgiveness and reconciliation. The kingdom of God, the reign of God, is about resurrection I mean, resurrection isn't just that Easter thing that we do once a year. As Easter people, we are resurrection people. And the story of resurrection and new life, new life that comes even out of death, this is the kingdom of God. Forgiveness, reconciliation, I could just go on and on and on. But if you want to understand, you know, begin to put the pieces together beyond the the challenge that Jesus gives by telling us parables, these are the component parts. This is the essence of what Jesus not just teaches and not just does. This is the essence of who Jesus is and how Jesus lives. And the parables, yeah, the parables are tough. Even after you've done this, you know, and studied this as long as I have, sometimes the parables are tough, and sometimes the parables challenge. You know, some of the, some of the, uh, the framework um, is a little beyond our experience, especially if you, if you don't fish generally, or if you aren't a farmer or haven't been a farmer. I mean, these would be a little difficult to navigate. But this is, this is what we're called to do. Because the kingdom of God is not just an idea. It's not just this esoteric idea. 
It's not a Wikipedia thing that you just search for and you read it and you go, oh, yeah, the kingdom of God. Oh, that boy, that was easy. Jeez, Jesus, why couldn't you have just said this? Why couldn't you have made it, you know, easier? Why couldn't you have just put it in bullet points? The kingdom of God isn't bullet points. It's not doctrinal ideas. It's not things that happen between our ears. The kingdom of God is something that's meant to get inside of us. It is, it is a, it's a truth, it's a reality that, that, that we internalize. It is um, an idea and an experience that changes us from the inside out. It is a way of seeing the world that transforms not just what we think and not just what we feel, but it changes the way we act in the world. The kingdom of God is this, is this movement that carries us. It carries us through a world that is every bit as fraught now as Jesus' world every bit as fraught as the ancient Israelites experienced, every bit as fraught and uncertain and dangerous as any generation in all of human history. But the kingdom of God centers us in this reality in a different way. It focuses us on what God is about. It focuses us on what God's purpose is in the world. God isn't just randomly going about the world. God doesn't just randomly show up in our lives or in some of our lives as opposed to others. What Jesus teaches us through this, 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 this living out the reign of God is that God is purposefully engaged with us. God is purposely engaged with me. God is purposely engaged with you. Even you folks at home, God is purposely engaged with you as well. That we would know love and mercy and compassion and reconciliation and new life, transformation, resurrection. Not just as a thing that happens for us, but as a thing that happens through us that we become the means of grace, that we who would choose to embrace the kingdom of God, we who would choose to allow this grace and this mercy to kind of get inside of us, burrow down into our heart and soul and, and do that transformational work, we who are willing to do that work become a means of grace to others. You know people in your life who are hungry. Not just physically hungry, but spiritually hungry, emotionally hungry. You know people who are in pain. You know people who struggle with depression or mental illness or addiction. You know people who just struggle to find their way. And what is happening inside of you can be a gift for them as well. And it's about what we do with our neighbors. The kingdom of God is about what we do with people. 
and not just simply for people. Do you hear that distinction? A lot of times it's easy for us to think about ministry and think about things that, that, well, you know, the church is the church, and the church ought to be doing these things for people. I mean, and pick the, pick the object of that, whether it be homeless or hungry. It could be anybody. We need to move the kingdom of God, especially in a post-COVID world, calls us to move, this, move beyond this idea that we're doing something for other people. Because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't do drive-by ministry. He didn't have a place out in the suburbs of Jerusalem, you know, penthouse in a high-rise condo, go up there, get his meals at night, hang out, sleep in a warm, comfortable bed, and then come back down to the city. Jesus lived with, walked with, ate with, cared with, endured, persevered with people. And to answer that call, to commit ourselves, that that means that's what we do as well. And every aspect of of who we are, because it's not a a program thing, it's it's an identity. It's a basic identity thing. I've been thinking a lot about these, um, you know, about this idea and the questions about who we are and who are we to be with in the church for, for many, many weeks now. You know, as I've been kind of transitioning from the, okay, we're in the settling in phase, and now we're into, I don't know what we would call the next phase of what we do together, but I think we're there. And I've been having a lot of conversations with people about one particular area of ministry that's always been near and dear to my heart, but it's, it's especially important in this congregation, and that is how are we, how are we caring for, how are we serving um, Families that have children and youth. What, how, how are we taking care of these of our neighbors? And I want to come back to this distinction between things that we do for versus things that we do with. I mean, yeah, it would be easy to write a check and come up with a job description. And if we really, I mean, if we really wanted to just go that route, we could probably hire somebody this week. But that comes more under the guise of doing it for somebody. Doing it with somebody means that we, and not just me, and not just the leadership of the church, but together as a community of faith, doing things with this part of our church community, that means we have conversations with them. We learn about their life. We learn about their needs. We learn about what it means to raise kids, little kids, elementary school age, preschoolers, teenagers, what it means to, to, to serve with these families today. Because even though I've been doing youth ministry for 45 years, doing youth ministry today does not look like it did 45 years ago when I was in my 20s. What it looks like and the, the needs to, to help and support people as they're raising kids doesn't look like it did when my kids were little. My kids are both in their 30s now doesn't look the same. So we need to know. We need to work together. We need to talk together. We need to engage with one another to understand what it means to be in ministry with our families that have children and youth. 
I use that as an example because it's very much on my mind and in my heart right now. But that same idea about how we do ministry goes to anything that we do. When we care, when we do things for homeless people or when we do things for people in poverty or do things for military families, again, it's not about what we do for. The kingdom of God is not just ticking things off of our task list to do things for other people. It's about how we do ministry with people, with one another. How do we live out our commitment to the reign of God How do we live out our commitment to love and mercy and justice and compassion and reconciliation with our neighbors? And I think that that given this, the, the time to add a couple of little wrinkles to what we do when we gather, to take a moment and connect with somebody and to say good morning, to hold hands during the Lord's Prayer. And even, and I'm, I, I apologize to put Nick on the spot in this, to be kind of like the, the inaugural person, but to pray when we, because we have active duty military people that, that come in and out our congregation all the time, and many of them deploy. What does it say to our commitment, not only to um, to the Navy or to the Marine Corps or whoever they de- who these folks deploy with. But what do we say to the person? What do we say to the family when we take the time together and pray with folk? When we say good morning, and, 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 and I want to, the one thing that I want to caution, caution you about when we turn around and greet people is to be mindful of the other person. Because there will be people who will be introverted who will come into our midst and they'll go like this. If not like physically go like this, emotionally in their, in their mind they'll go like this because it's intimidating for them. Me, who's the extrovert, I had to learn that sometimes the hard way to, not, to, 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 to uh, moderate my exuberance when I meet people just because I want to make sure that I'm with the person I'm greeting and not just imposing me on them. You get that? Does that make sense? As we come out of this time, I'll close with this. We're coming out of this time where now it's, geez, my gracious, it doesn't hardly seem possible that it's been four years ago, but the world shrunk on us. Our worlds shrunk on us, seemingly overnight. And they stayed shrunk for a while. And that that shrunkenness of our world and not being able to see and not being able to connect and the, the custom of holding hands during the Lord's Prayer, I understand we stopped that because that was a COVID thing. Friends, it's time to sh- kind of, you know, Shake off that shrunkenness. Shake off that, that, that limited world view that was imposed upon us through COVID and look to the future together about how do we live the promise of God's kingdom? How do we, how do we live it within ourselves and how do we live it with one another? that others might know the promise that Jesus gives in the kingdom 
love and mercy, justice and reconciliation, the kingdom, that, that idea and what Marcy read that might just be a little small seed right now that's hopeful in our heart, but with nurture and water, the nature of the kingdom, like the nature of a mustard seed, as it grows into something. Friends, let us together open our life and our heart and make space for the kingdom to grow in us. Dig a little deeper. Open a little wider. If you're using a Zeke-sized shovel now, that's okay. Use what you've got. But the great thing about grace is as it grows within us and as the kingdom comes within us, pretty soon you'll use a JT-sized shovel or whatever size shovel is works for you. Not the big snow shovels necessarily yet, but maybe one day. Because in that... In that sacred work of becoming, God's kingdom is revealed. And we say thanks be to God for that. Amen.